0: You're with Jazz88, I'm chatting with Philip Byther. He's the McGuire Director and Senior Curator for Performing Arts at the Walker Art Center. And we're talking because John Zorn is coming to town. Philip, thank you so much for making time to talk about this legendary artist.
1: Thanks, Sean. and we're so pleased that John is getting this special celebration on his 70th. I mean, special
0: is a bit of an understatement. Not only is John Zorn himself coming and performing, but Julian Lodge is coming, John Medesky is coming, Bill Frizzell and that's the tip of the iceberg. I imagine that there's been a lot of logistics going into making this a beautiful celebration. He deserves this type of honor. It's really awesome that the walker is doing it.
1: We feel like John sort of embodies this cross-disciplinary, stylistically diverse, outsider kind of creator that the walker was built to support and celebrate it's been a pleasure to watch his career develop over 40 years and see him just having more and more influences and bigger and bigger circles of artists that he's drawn into his family he likes to call it but well you know what we're going to talk about his family because
0: i think that's some of the secret sauce for why he's become so influential and clearly in our conversations in advance this interview this is not an artist you discovered last year. You've been a a lifelong fan of his. So when I was trying to figure out how to present Zorn's catalog, in a digestible way to our wonderful audience with Jazz 88, I decided I'll contact Philip Byther and we'll pick four songs from Zorn's catalog, which is a, a really Herculean task to, to, <laughs> to go in and, and pick that something. But we wanted to do something representative so folks could start celebrating uh, the work of John Zorn in advance of the celebration on Saturday. So you've helped pick out some tunes and we're gonna dive into those now. The first thing you picked is from an album called The Big Gundown that goes back to 1986. And the album is a tribute to the celebrated film composer Ennio Morricone. And it's an example of an album where John Zorn, known as a saxophone player, barely plays the saxophone. John Zorn, known as a composer, barely composes. But this became one of his first forays to being known outside of the downtown scene that he really had been a fixture in since the 1970s. Can you tell me a little bit about this record and its importance in John Zorn's larger work?
1: Well, you know, his origins were were really as a, a fan of Ornette Coleman style contemporary free jazz and bebop. But he was also an experimental sound artist, really, in his early years, John Zorn. Um, and he saw in the music of Ennio Morricone the use of electric guitars, distortion, um, flutes, of, uh, South American influences. This kind of film composer who represented what John sort of aspired to be. This this eclectic, brilliant maker of sound. But he took Morricone's music and kind of turned it on its head and brought in all these fantastic musicians to create collages of essentially inspired by the melodies of different soundtrack music that Morricone made. I'll have to reveal one personal um, thing is that I was a fan living in New York of John Zorn's music uh, played all over town, um, but invited him where I was curating at the Brooklyn Academy of Music um, when I heard about his fascination with Morricone um, to do an, uh, an evening at, at BAM um, called Once Upon a Time in the East Village. And it was all devoted to Morricone's music. And he brought 25 musicians, amazing group of artists together to celebrate Morricone. And the record grew out of that concert, essentially. Oh, got you. See,
0: you're not only recommending it, but you're a little bit a part of the story (laughs) to sort of get into this. Uh, Now, the tune that we picked is titled The Big Gun Down, right? This is the title track. Before we listen to this, I want to talk about, you talk about John Zorn bringing 25 musicians to this thing. John Zorn reminds me a little bit of the Coen brothers or Spike Lee in the sense that you go like, oh, Mark Rebo probably going to be there. Joey Barron's probably going to be there. Uh, Dave Douglas is probably going to be there. His cast is really important. That's one reason I really like the way y'all are doing this celebration on Saturday. Can you tell me a little bit about the importance of John Zorn's Rolodex to
1: his success? You know, and he might um, counter the notion of Rolodex, because that that makes the image of like a kind of impresario. (laughs) A wheeler dealer. uh, Pull this guy and that guy. He really sees uh, these musicians that he becomes close to and supports um, through his publication series, through his various clubs he started and run, his label Zodic as uh, really his family, his his circles of creative inspiration and people that he so believes in that he wants to support. And those number in the hundreds now. And so depending on the actual project, he'll pull different configurations, but he has some favorite, favorite musicians. Uh, certainly Bill Frizzell, the great guitarist, uh, has been part of Zorn's life for 40 years and, and a number of other artists, but I, I'm also interested in seeing how he's attracting younger players like Julian Lodge right. and others um, to his circles, and he's sort of rotating um, younger players with established and uh, very well-known uh, older players.
0: Very cool. Well, let's check out this tune, The Big Gun Down, as we celebrate John Zorn at 70, and the big celebration is happening on Saturday night over at The Walker. You're with Jazz88. I'm chatting with Philip Byther. He's the McGuire Director and Senior Curator for Performing Arts at the Walker Arts Center. We're talking throughout this week celebrating John Zorn, who's celebrating his 70th birthday, and there's a big celebration happening at the Walker on Saturday night. We already checked out something from John Zorn's work in the 1980s, and today we're chatting about one of his most long-running and most celebrated groups, Masada. And in fact, the new incarnation of Masada is going to be on stage, closing out uh, the events on Saturday night at The Walker. Philip, thank you for making time to talk about
1: John Zorn. It's great to be here, Sean. Thank you.
0: Now, Masada to me was the first thing I heard about John Zorn. My brother went to Wesleyan University in Connecticut and he got free jazz indoctrinated. I don't you know. he Anthony Braxton's his <laughs> <That's> teacher <right. laughs> and, and he's sort of coming by and he's going, there's this guy who's like, Wrapping his arms around his Jewish identity, he's revolutionary, he loves jazz and free jazz, and he wants to see a different path for Jewish identity. I'm in eighth grade, and I go, oh, what? (laughs) (laughs) But he starts playing me the music, and, and and I feel this energy. This is something John Zorn, a Jewish man, talking with Joey Baron, and he says... I want to chart a new path. And he, his first goal is to write 100 songs. Let, let me stop telling you about John Zorn. You know the man's music well. Tell me about Masada and where it fits in Zorn's catalog.
1: Well, you know, he took on... He was in Japan for a good number of years. And he f- was feeling a little lost. And he realized he wanted to embrace his own identity. He was a non-practicing Jew mm-hmm. who really didn't think about uh, his Jewish uh, uh, family history or mm-hmm. anything. But he completely dove in around spiritual music, Jewish traditions, Jewish sounds drawn for over hundreds of years. Uh, and he combined that with the sound of the early Ornette Coleman Quartet, the acoustic quartet, that had that, that great overlapping lines that would just pull you right in. So he combined these kinds of free jazz um, spirit with uh, Jewish melodies and began writing songs. And so Masada is kind of his song books. And he forged seven or eight different bands, the Electric Masada, the Masada String Trio. The Masada Quartet is his kind of all-star group. And we brought those guys here when it was Joey Barron um, and Greg Cohen on bass. Um, and uh, uh, Dave Douglas to the Ted Mann concert hall and put on a big show in 2001. But he continues to reinvent that quartet. So his current quartet that we'll hear at the Walker at 10 o'clock on the 9th of September is his new Masada quartet. And it has a lot of that same sound um, and it really reflects the best of what was later referred to as John Zorn's champion radical Jewish culture, radical Mm -hmm. Jewish music, a a reimagination of what Jewish music can be and sound like. Um, and so that that's the sort of origins he's continued to pump out. He put a goal for himself to, to write a hundred compositions a month or something like that in the first few years of Masada. I mean, it's And insane. surpassed it, I believe. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this is, this is a, a really prolific man and a man who also knows how to let his music live on beyond his initial performances. In fact, later in the week, we'll check out some of the Masada work interpreted by guitar players. And this might be a good time, uh, Philip, to hone in a little bit on the fact that John Zorn is also an industry, a cottage industry in and of himself in a way that I think actually Ornette Coleman also was somebody who said, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to make sure that I control the output of my music. Um, This is an artist who has has rejected in a large part, streaming services and has found a way for his compositions to live on beyond his performances. That seems like an important part of his legacy, right?
1: And I think it's been a he's really influenced a whole generation or two around resisting what some think of as co optation, sure. uh, of being under the thumb of big corporations or even big cultural institutions, really. When um, John is asked about, well, you know, did you, did you sell out by going and playing at Carnegie Hall or playing, going to the Walker for this project? Um, he will always say, it's about individuals. I don't care about institutions. In fact, I resist institutions. But if I know somebody is down with the music and loves what I'm doing, then that person is what makes these crazy um, immersive and uh, and maximalist experiences happen. So um, I'm very feel we feel lucky here in Minneapolis and at the Walker that John has come back several times since the mid '80s and is allowing us a week after he turns 70 to celebrate this yeah. in this way. 12 different bands or setups. Over twelve hours. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's it's a marathon to be sure, but it's uh, definitely very very cool that the Walker is doing this. The event is on Saturday, and we're going to listen to some music from the first Masada Quartet. And the tune you selected is Takufa. So let's get into that. We are celebrating John Zorn at age seventy, and the big celebration is on Saturday over at the Walker. Jazz 88. I've been chatting throughout the week with Philip Byther. He's the McGuire Director and Senior Curator for Performing Arts at the Walker Arts Center. And we're celebrating John Zorn turning 70. There's big events happening on Saturday over at the Walker. And we're really excited to talk about John Zorn and also the incredible musicians who are joining John Zorn. Bill Frizzell, Julian Lodge. John Medeski, It's a really impressive thing that's happening on Saturday, and it's all happening at The Walker. I'm talking with Philip. Philip, thank you so much for, A, bringing John Zorn to town, and B, making some time for me to invade your office and I, just chat.
1: I love it. It's got a chance for me to go back into the 100 CDs or something of uh, John Zorn's music. I well, I mean, uh,
0: and 100 CDs is probably an understatement. This is, this is somebody who has had such incredible... Output and as, as we've talked about a little bit earlier in the week This is a man who started his career both as a sound experimentalist and as a saxophonist But when I've listened to John Zorn I do feel like the guitar has a particular role of prominence in his writing And he seems to always want to hear what a guitar player might do with a composition that didn't originally have guitar So when we were talking about four songs to represent um, This music you mentioned that it might be wise to do something from his guitar
1: catalog. Yes, and he's, he's written for different assemblages of guitarists, and back 15, 18 years ago, the tune we're going to hear was a guitar trio that was Bill Frizzell, again, longstanding um, colleague of, of John's, um, Mark Ribot, wonderful both rock and jazz guitarist, and Tim Sparks, who lives here in yeah. Minnesota uh, and has been on John's label, Zodic. So this cut will here features Bill Frizzell, but has the other two players backing him and supporting him in the composition. And one of the first ticketed events
0: on Saturday is acoustic guitar players, Bill Frizzell, Julian Lodge, and
1: do you know how to pronounce Guillain Riley? Guillain Riley, who yeah. happens to be the son of the famous minimalist composer Terry Terry Riley. Okay, okay. Yeah.
0: Connecting some, some dots for me. Before we listen to the tune, you've, you've listened to John Zorn's music. You've you know, spoken directly with him as a curator for many, many decades. What do you think about the guitar draws
1: John Zorn in? Well, you know, he grew up with rock and roll, too. And so that generation, I think, and um, the access to the world's music really changed the nature of his generation's music from earlier either classical or jazz composer performers. Um, and so he, um, he loves the electric guitar and, he, and the noise that it can make. You know, noise is a big part of what he draws from, noise in the best sense yes. of the word. Yeah the the textures that a guitarist like Frizzell or Ribeau can get out of an electric guitar just I think really um, tickled his ear and made him feel like this is a this is a sound I want uh, often part of my music. What's interesting about these trios is they're playing acoustic guitar, so he's really pushes himself constantly to try something new and work um, yes with guitars but um, with with uh, not his standard use of wild sounding electric guitars, but actually acoustic um, guitars playing these compositions.
0: Well, that's, that's beautiful sounds. And I mean, having somebody like Bill Frizzell be sort of not the top of a ticket, right? Like (laughs) it's, it's a coup. And I I do want to ask a little bit, I can't imagine that, I, I imagine the musicians are being compensated properly for their performances with John Zorn at this time, but I'm imagining that in 1978, folks are probably playing for, you know, four dollars and, <laughs> and maybe a subway token, but world-class musicians have been drawn to John Zorn, Bill Frizzell, Julian Lodge, John Modesky. Why do you think these artists take time out of their potentially very full calendars as,
1: as leading performers to collaborate with Zorn? One of the things you don't get fully from his CDs, even as brilliant as they are, or his recorded music, is the joy and uh, the total uh, fun, really, that these musicians have playing together. Playing Zorn's music, he brings this energy and sense of sort of ecstasy to any band he's either conducting, or on the sidelines of, or playing with. So the audiences respond to that. I mean, even though it's avant-garde music often, it's a total pleasure to yeah. like sit in the audience and hear these bands uh, cook it up. There's a lot of improvisation, even in his composed work. But it just feels like there's nothing better for an audience when they feel like the the performers wouldn't rather be anywhere else. Yeah. And so those you know people realized we're celebrating John's seventieth birthday. They're not playing for their regular fees, you know, they are coming in to give a gift to John. Of course, we're paying everybody and we're paying uh, travel. And it's a big, expensive project, but it's also, um, uh, I think, a love letter to John Zorn from all these circles of musicians that he invited in.
0: He seems like one of those guys, when the phone rings and it's Zorn, you say yes, and then you work out the details.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we did a little side publication project in 10 years ago. at Zorn at 60. And then this year, where we invited, uh, well, 130 different uh, famous artists, uh, musicians and writers, philosophers, uh, painters, to send us uh, birthday greetings to John. And we got this series of love letters from all these people about what a loyal friend and what an amazing inspiration he is musically. And those are all published up on the Walker website now. Oh, God. And so you can read from even classical people, Richard Stoltzman and Midori and dance, dance artists like Ohad Naharin who invented Gaga and Batsheva Dance Company. You know, these, these people are weighing in from all walks of life just saying John Zorn has changed my life.
0: Yeah. Oh man. Well, let's let him change some lives right now. We're going to listen to some of this acoustic music. The tune we're going to check out is Beikareem, and you think that this particularly features some Bill Frisell
1: artistry on it. Yeah, you hear that atmospheric, beautiful Frisell sound. <laughs>
0: You're at Jazz88, I've been chatting throughout the week with Philip Byther. He is the McGuire Director and Senior Curator for the Performing Arts at the Walker Arts Center. And we're getting ready for John Zorn, who's coming to town on Saturday for this celebration marking his 70th birthday. It's not only John Zorn coming into town, but folks like Julian Lodge, John Medeski, Bill Frizzell. I mean, a real who's who of forward-thinking musicians, straight-up musicians, are coming to the Twin Cities uh, for this celebration on Saturday. Philip, thank you for taking time out of what I'm sure is a busy week to chat about John Zorn. Thanks so much, John. Now, we've been covering different sides of his work. We've covered his work uh, doing Masada. We've covered his work with guitar players. But we're going to play today uh, a rendition of Kol Nidre arranged for strings, a string quartet which is a real tribute to the breadth of what John Zorn can do. Sometimes if somebody starts off with, you know, musical experiments called like, I think he had tunes called like soccer and, and, and base. Hockey, yeah, <laughs> You sort of think, oh, this, you know, uh, I'm going to use a Yiddish term here. This guy's a schmuck, right? This, this, <laughs> this, this guy wants to play tricks with music. That wasn't even true back then. But suddenly when you take somebody where they're, doing string quartets. They're arranging for the most celebrated musicians on the world. This man can play bebop. This man can arrange string quartets. He's not a musical uh, sort of ditherer. He's serious about what he does. What made you pick something from his string quartet work?
1: Well, I think it shows um, his compositional abilities and his uh, ability to kind of live within a classical world but, but push out the outside edges of it. Um, there's some beautiful um, me- melodic um, writing in this particular piece. Um, he's got a series of, I think it's uh, up to a dozen or so string quartets, but he's also written for full orchestra. He's written an, uh, an opera. You know, he seems to want to try everything. Um, not everything fully succeeds, but his writing for for strings and and for classical ensembles, I think, surprise even the most serious classical music aficionados. They are like he really knows what he's doing in terms of um, both the composition and the arrangement of the musicians. Um, and they, we will have a lot of um, acoustic. Um, classically trained musicians, including the Jack Quartet, here with us that weekend, playing in the galleries and things.
0: Got you, okay. And now, uh, J- John Zorn, a huge part of his, you know, public profile, and I think I think I can safely say his personal identity as well has to do with Judaism. Um, and now, I'm not wildly familiar with Judaism. I am married to a Jew. I am raising a Jewish family. Kol Nidre is what I hear. When I come to Temple on Yom Kippur, played at least at Temple Israel right down the street by a solo cellist. Hmm. Now I don't know—is this a tune that has the same name, or is this an arrangement of that sort of liturgical piece? Or are we both just sort of—you <laughs> definitely
1: are beyond me right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, but, no, it's, but it's a very good question. John would have the answer immediately. Yeah, uh, but uh, well, but for I my don't Jewish know.
0: brothers and sisters who are listening. <laughs> um, Kol Nidra, you, you've heard the word I've heard the word when I've been at Temple and I know that uh, regardless of how John Zorn arrived at this music and uh, it's just it's a beautiful thing to hear him imbue Jewish identity, Jewish melodies and Jewish sounds uh, into his programming. And I love to hear that in the string quartets as well. All right. Let's dive into this tune. And, and Philip, we've had a, a long week of diving into this music of John Zorn. I just want to wish you a lot of luck tomorrow uh, for the whole event. I'm excited. I'm going to see the new Masada Quartet at the end Fantastic. of the night. Um, but thank you for bringing this type of programming to
1: Minneapolis. Well, it's a celebrate. I mean, it's a celebration of somebody who I think is essential force in musical culture um, globally. And uh, it's a It's uh, really fortunate that we get to have John and 20 of his closest musician friends all land at our doorstep and perform for 12 plus hours here in Minneapolis.
0: Here's Cole Niedre. All right, well, Philip, I would tell you to to unbutton your shirt and relax because now we're just on a podcast, but you look pretty relaxed already. Uh, We've been Uh celebrating John Zorn, listening to the man's music, but uh, you just let me know that the the – the impetus for this particular presentation actually came with John Zorn's connection to to art on a wall. Is, is there a better term for that? Fine art? Uh,
1: visual art, <laughs> I visual guess you could art, say. Okay. Uh, but contemporary art in yeah. particular. And uh, he is, I don't quite know how he ever sleeps at night because he is immersed in writers and uh poetry and uh visual art and um film i mean he is a he's an expert in contemporary filmmaking and uh and is a film uh fan and writes a lot of film scores not necessarily for films but CDs full of music that is like made for imaginary film proxy film scores. Right, right. (laughs) So, so he, you know, he knew he knew the Walker, of course. uh, My predecessors, Chuck Helm, and other people had brought John Zorn here in the eighties and early nineties, and uh, he, he had would you know go in the galleries and he'd love the artwork that we had, and he had done this a few other times at the Metropolitan Museum in New York City, at the Louvre in Paris. Um, at the Art Institute in Chicago and there he wouldn't do stage concerts and he wouldn't do necessarily The performing arts side of what we do with music He just did these series of concerts in relationship to art. He particularly loved and so we um, began talking a few years ago about uh, He asked hey, I've, I've played a lot of concerts with you guys I'd love to do something with the visual art mm-hmm. permanent collection And I began speaking with my colleagues who are curators in visual arts, and we found out what pieces were going to be up and um, who John, in particular, felt he had compositions that related to those artists. And we went through a couple dozen different art pieces. We also looked at, is there any room for an audience to stand and listen to an ensemble? And he started pairing acoustic groups that he has put together over the years with particular artists in our collection, or artworks specifically. So he's going... Everyone from Yoko Ono to Robert Rauschenberg, Bruce Conner to Agnes Martin, um, Joan um, Mitchell to um, even James Terrell, the wonderful um, sort of immersive outdoor sculpture room that you walk into and see the sky framed. Um, There's gonna be musicians performing works inspired by those artists or those artworks in nine different concerts every half hour from noon to 4.30 on Saturday afternoons.
0: That is that is so cool. It it seems like you really given Zorn the run of the place to do it to do it the right way. And I'm sure it was a a lot of meetings, a lot of structure, but sounds like it's going to be a lot of joy on. Well,
1: and we also are a little worried of the mob scene. We've got very uh, valuable fine art here. And, you know, how do we make sure? But people are respectful and they'll kind of squeeze in and hear. You know, people like like Gian Riley and uh, Julian Lodge performing in front of uh, Georgia O'Keeffe, which is at the, basically at a landing at the top of a stairwell. So those who can squeeze in and hear or see them. Um, great. Those who can't, I hope we'll just move on to the next uh, gig. But.
0: <laughs> well, John Zorn at 70. It's happening on Saturday. And Philip Byther, I really appreciate you taking time, not only to talk, but to also educate me you're, you're 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 helping out a lot of folks who are getting the tip of the iceberg with uh, john zorn but i'm probably you know a third of the way down the iceberg and this has been <laughs> a really great
1: opportunity to dive in deeper so thank you so
0: much and again thank you for bringing this type of performance
1: and curation to the twin cities thanks so much john we really appreciate your curiosity and interest and love of music so thank you so much